welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett, here to introduce you to our special panel coverage from Heroes Con, the Image Writers Panel. This panel includes Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Brian J.L. Glass, and Justin Jordan. Some of the audio is a little bit low, um, but I think overall it's okay. I've, I did a lot of doctoring in post to try to make sure it all sounds good for your ears. Uh, but there's a lot of really great insightful stuff in here, especially about the image process and their great relationship with the creators and talent they utilize and employ and facilitate. Uh, so yeah, enjoy the panel. All right, ladies and gentlemen of Heroes Con, how's everyone doing today? amazing. What a turnout. You guys look fantastic today. My name is Matt Little. This is Brett White. We're the hosts of the podcast Matt and Brett Love Comics and we are proud and honored to be the moderators for today's Image Writers panel. Um, we're very excited to be up here with some amazing talent. Uh, starting on my left we have Mr. Justin Jordan. Right next to him, we have Mr. Brian J. L. Glass. To my right is Kelly Sue DeConnick. <laughs> and all the way there at the end, we have Mr. Matt Fraction. If you need water, Matt is the guy that knows where to get it. It's right there. Um, so wet. Uh, this this panel is sponsored by water. Yeah. Yeah. Water. It's what you drink. Um. So uh, so all of you guys are are working at Image or have books that are soon to come out. And as Brett and I were talking about all of these books, the one thing that we sort of realized with you guys as creators is. Um, with everything that you write, and especially for Image, you seem like the type of people that, like, uh, comics are in your blood. Like, you don't write comics, like, you write comics because you have to, because these stories are in you. Um, what, what is it about, specifically, what Image brings to the table uh, uh, attracts you so much to it? Well, that's the best deal in town. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a creator, <laughs> you, you are uh, uh, all of your rights are yours. The book is yours. Down to choosing the paper stock, what ads any are in your book, uh, uh, where they fall. There's no decision that you are not part of. Chip and I um, printed a hundred copies of a cover to say thank you to a retailer and sent it to her uh, this week. And didn't tell anybody, we just did it, and like, image is a place where like, yeah, no, we do that. And there was no, so, that, so there's that, and, um, and my Eric Stevenson hat, what Eric Stevenson at Energy of Image would, would, would say, well, no one works, we don't work at Image, we publish through Image, and there's a difference. That's the other great advantage, is that, you know, uh, uh, Eric is like an improv comic, you know, you come to Eric with an idea, and his response is yes, and, instead of, what if was that, you know, he's there, captains of our own editorial ships. So between that and truly owning and controlling everything there is about your book, it's it is the, the best place to do these kinds of these kinds of books to tell these kinds of stories. And, in my experience. And um I know like uh, Brian, you've been doing my Templar for right here? Right there? S- seven years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Literally, because they're mice. <laughs> yeah. uh, really big action, a really small scale. <laughs> but like with that, you have been telling you've been telling the story for seven years, and this is kind of—I mean—you couldn't go to a Marvel or a DC and be like, "Here is my opus, please put it forth." Um, I mean, how did how did you land at Image? Was Image the only place that you approached for this book? Well, I, I had the benefit of coming aboard my Templar because it was originally conceived by uh, Michael A. von Oming, who's awesome, awesome. And uh, he, he just had this, this crazy idea of, of mice in an ancient kingdom, and he, he literally said the words, build me a world. And that was my assignment when I came aboard, when it was going to be a six-issue miniseries. And uh, now as we're approaching issue 40, seven years later, and uh, we're about a year and a half away from the grand finale, but uh, I, I built him a world, and he's been regretting it ever since. <laughs> Yeah, I actually came to Image through the slush pile. So for anybody who says that that doesn't happen, totally does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I sent in uh, the pitch for Luther Strode, Strange Town Luther Strode, the first miniseries. Sent in five pages of Tragic Morse art, which, incidentally, if you want to get a pitch approved, getting Tragic Morse yeah. art is usually a solid yeah. strategy. Yeah. But uh, so I sent that in and a cover letter and a synopsis of the book, and I got an email back from them said in typically succinct Eric Stevenson's style, yeah, we'll publish this. <laughs> that was the entire <laughs> and, uh, the, and in fact, the only change that they have ever asked me to make on any of the books I've worked on for image is they're like, eh, you should get different lettering for this book. <laughs> that's, that's the extent of their, their involvement in the production, in the decisions on that book. And even then, if you had said no, they'd be like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Kelly Sue, Pretty Deadly is your, it's your first image book, correct? It's my first creator. Yeah, so I mean, was there any, there was no contest, I would imagine, with where you're going to take that idea. <laughs> no, uh, um, uh, I, sh I shopped the idea around, um, but when Image said yes, then that was sort of the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay, and we're done. Um, because, for, you know, for all the reasons that Matt said, you can't, it's not creator-owned if you don't control it. Like, a lot of people have deals that they call creator-owned, but you don't control it. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. so you shouldn't feel privileged because a publisher chooses to share your money with you. <laughs> <laughs> you to share your creative life. Congratulations, you get to own a part of this thing created. It isn't a privilege, it's a right. Uh, or it should be. At least it images a right. I make the job. Yeah, it's alright. One thing, too, with Pretty Deadly is uh, you always have these amazing essays in the back of the book. Uh, that, that... Some of them are amazing. We like her essays, right? 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 Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and really, really, for you. <laughs> you kind of like, I think it's like, for you. Which is 
Um, maybe the most pretentious thing I've ever heard. Not really pretentious. So, yeah, so I'm horrified by that. And that'll never be reprinted. So if you have five, keep it. It's never happening again. Um. It's interesting too, like uh, we have uh, Brian over here with Mice Templar, you've been going 40 issues, and Justin, you have spread coming out soon. Yes. And, and I've read, read interviews where you said you have, in your head, you have like 50 issues worth of ideas already ready to go with this series, which, by the way, looks incredible. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it's Kyle's song, right? Yeah. Yes, it is, another Kansas City person. Oh yeah? Yep. That's, uh, that art is, and I mean this in the best way, horrifying. Oh, it, it's deeply fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle is one of those people that deserves to already be a bigger name than he is because he's just that talented. So, and Spread is actually doing quite well for us in the sense of it's sold a lot of issues thus far in the pre-orders and all the reviews of it have been really good and they have all rightfully focused a lot on Kyle's art and it's probably, and I've been uh, hugely biased because I'm writing it, I think the best art he's put out and he's a great artist to begin with, so it's doing really well. That's, um, so yeah, so in the lead up to something like this too, you're still, you're like waiting for it to come out, like as, as a creator, what's this, what's this uh, uh, window of time feel like to you while you're, like you know what this looks like and you know what that first issue is going to be, and you're just waiting for everyone else to experience it. Yes, it's weird. It's, and it's especially, the book comes out in two weeks, three weeks. So I will get my comp copies of it next week, the way it's printing things. So, so it's weird to be here and talking about a book that in a couple of days I will have in my hands. Um, but it's especially weird now. We're at this point where our final order cutoff just ended this week. So I know how the book is sold to the retailers. And we're starting to get advanced reviews, and the book has been done for a while. So I'm in this weird limbo space where I'm like, for the love of God, can people just read the fucking book? Like, <laughs> I would really love it if I could just hit proof and it automatically just went out to people without that like three-week delay. Because it is, it is kind of maddening because, you know, fundamentally you want people to read your damn stories. And this, you know, we've been, work we've been working on spreads since 2012. Probably. Wow. So, yeah, that was when I initially pitched Kyle on the idea. In fact, I initially pitched Kyle on the wrong idea, but you know. <laughs> I, had, I had two pitches in my thing that both started the original, I shouldn't say the original, but the working title was spread before it became spread with Redlands because it was all red. And I had another pitch for something else called Red, and I sent it to Kyle, and I didn't realize I had sent it to Kyle. And I got these weird questions back from Kyle, and then and we were like, what the fuck is wrong with Kyle? I'm like, oh, wrong fucking pitch. Like, <laughs> total professional people. <laughs> uh, and um, I want to ask Matt about Sex Criminals, which is a book that I'm sure some of you have read. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that, that book has really, really taken off, and it is about a very... Uh, I mean, interesting subject. <laughs> Is that putting it lightly? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there, um, is, is, like with Image, you can kind of do whatever you want. Is Sex Criminals your I'm doing whatever I want book? Like, is this just like unfiltered fraction in Zarsky? Zadarsky? Yeah. Is it? Um, no, no. It's, uh, yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was, that was the, 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 
be able to communicate with the other yeah, that was one of the big um, textual and kind of exactly the book we wanted to be, which is miraculous, I think, and they've found such a huge audience. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like a guy who sat in a field with a with a glass bottle, yeah, and and caught the lightning bolt. <laughs> and everybody's like, "You're crazy!" Like we have friends, like like uh, very good friends, that looked at me like, "You are fucking yourself. You're you are ending your career." There were, there were people that were like, "Okay, that's, I guess that's what he wants to do." <laughs> <laughs> and I got it. I understood it. But I was like, "No, I, just, I really think this is like." I mean, I didn't think it would end my career, but I also didn't think it was going to go longer than like five issues or four issues, really. But I got lucky. Do you have an endpoint in mind? Like, when you go into Image with a pitch, are you like, here's my magnum opus, like, here's my 50 issue pitch, here's my five issue pitch? Um, you know, it's floating landmarks. Yeah. Uh, uh, we expected that we would get three issues and have to pay for a fourth out of our own pockets, and then we would collect it and have like a book that he and I enjoyed, and that was it. Um, and I think you can, I think it's sort of the, the, the fundamental problem with that first storyline is you can kind of see it sad when we found out it was successful, and we realized we were going to be able to keep going. So we like, oh, uh, I guess they don't get caught. Quickly, we kind of knew. Yeah, you know, but but you have how to get there. I have no idea how to get there, but I, I know we're going more sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and similar with what we were talking about with, uh, with Justin, uh, Kelly Sue, you have another image book coming out fairly soon. Is it launching this summer, this fall? Bitch, this Planet? Fall, Bitch Planet? Yeah. <laughs> how, does it, how does it feel? I mean, how. Um, I never want it to come out. You never, <laughs> do you like living in this. this I, I, sort of, it's it, perfect right now. It's absolutely perfect. You all love it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't messed anything up yet. I haven't disappointed anyone. Uh, no one's angry or, well, I thought it was going to be this and it's this. Like, no. So, um, I would like to live in the space between the, 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 the mentioning of the title and when the first issue hits. Uh, I'd actually like to live in that space where, because, like, before you actually write it, that's the best. <laughs> it totally yeah. is, because you haven't fucked it up yet. <laughs> you're, you're yet right. another masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, you guys, I am so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, your ideas are always so awesome in your head, and then something happens between here and here, and they're not as good anymore. Like, you can't get paid for these. So you have to do this, and I and I think that that's the uh, that's the difference. Like yeah. there, there's a, a, a people that are always like, I have this idea. I'll give you my idea. I don't want your freaking idea. I have so many ideas. <laughs> you know, like ideas are not the hard part. The hard part is showing up and writing them. <laughs> the hard part is actually like letting yourself um, um, find the, the flaws and be disappointed. Like like you were talking about in the beginning that like. Uh, there's, there's this thing where, you know, people will talk about how, you know, um, and I, I don't want to change anybody's, I don't want to tell anybody that they're a liar, um, but, uh, <laughs> but there are people that are like, uh, you know, well, I write because I have to write. I have to, like, I don't have to write. I have to clean the house. <laughs> like, um, I, I have to feed my, I have to get food in my kid's mouth. Yeah, I have to scoop the 
the cat's box. Those are things I have to do. Like, I don't even want to write 90% of the time. Writing 90% of the time is like, oh God, I would rather do anything else. <laughs> but, but, I, but I love having written. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, to get to that place that I'm kind of in love with, um, uh, and, and it's a super magical place, I have to go through the discomfort of being an imperfect craftsman, um, and, and I think that I think that there is a, a destructive mythology in the notion of like uh, this sort of uh, genius. Just I'm just channeling the magic, you know. And I think that there are probably a oh my god, wow! Not with both Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel and also all your Pretty Deadly creations, all these people, all these characters that you're so tied to, but specifically the Pretty Deadly characters. Now you're seeing them come to life and walk around. Like, yeah, that, that's crazy, there's right? Alice there's over there. Yeah. There's Katie yeah. over there. So you guys in the middle are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's got to be a. We just saw that's a special type of joy. Yeah. No, it really. Um, uh, it sometimes makes me cry. Like it, it is amazing to see. Uh, the, the cosplayers are so good, you know, and they they take the characters on and they care so much about the details and, it, and it's it's really a magical experience to see. Um, it's like like they care about the characters as much as you do, and that's such a privilege, you know. <laughs> oh, I just brought it down. <laughs> no, we we just had we had an aw moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was aw. Oh, uh, I also want to talk, um, Brian. You're now working with both Dark Horse and Image. Oh yes. So I feel because you're also with your book Furious with Dark Horse mm-hmm. Comics. And I was wondering if you could speak to maybe the differences in both of those because they're both creator-owned projects. Yes. yes. Uh, is like what are the differences between working with Dark Horse and Image? Uh, well, we, we've had a wonderful experience at both companies. Uh, the creator-owned does pretty much stand, although at Dark Horse they've. I've been assigned an editor. I'm working with Jim Gibbons, yeah, who's a fantastic, <laughs> yeah. fantastic editor. And I can say that as a result of simply working with an editor who, he, he has not uh, put his editorial stamp on the book, but I know that the book that came out is different than if Furious had come out through Image. So it's just, it's, it's interesting opening that door and letting uh, an editor that you respect tremendously uh, just kind of guide you and challenge you with the right questions while in the realm of Mice Templar. It's me and Mike Oming and Victor Santos who has done the, the bulk of the artwork on Mice Templar. And it's the three of us who, uh, you know, there's no one overseeing uh, on Mice Templar. It's our vision. Uh, story-wise, it's kind of become my vision. I kind of co-opted it off of poor Mike. And, uh, uh, Mike's contributions are outstanding, Victor's contributions. There would be no book without Victor Santos uh, handling the art chores. And it's just, it's, it's a very different, different dynamic when I swap out hats. Uh, creating a book that I know is purely for me and the art team versus creating a book that then passes through uh, an editorial phase, but I feel like uh, my editor at Dark Horse is not my enemy, my adversary, my competitor. He's 
part of the team, and he, he told me at the very beginning he was committed to having me tell the best story I possibly could tell. And uh, that's one of the big differences in the two worlds. Um, as, as creators, too, and obviously you guys are writers, you, this is a visual medium, you have to find the right artist. What, uh, what about the artists that you guys work with on your series uh, drew you to them to, for specifically these ideas? Um, Sextimals, at least, I mean, I wanted to work with Chip, period, but this is sort of finding something that, uh, he's, he's amazing. He's one of the funniest human beings ever He's so talented and so gifted. And, um, it, he's insane. Not, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not the kind of guy that anybody at Marvel or DC looks at and says, yeah, let's get him for Deadpool. And, and, and it's so infuriating and so frustrating. Yes. By knowing with Casanova the same way. Um, Howard Chicken was looking for a gig. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so you uh, get to write. Like, I feel like I fooled Howard Chicken into drawing my Howard Chicken fan <laughs> Um, and, if, and if anybody else is too dumb to see it, okay, they're lost. Like, if, if people like, you don't understand what you're looking at when you see Gabriel Ba and Fabio the Moon, I can't help you. Like, if, you, if, you, if, if the bag of money you're leaving on the side of the highway is too heavy to pick up, <laughs> then by all means, let someone else go, for, go, go, go forth and, and, and earn a living uh, uh, making your heart. Um, somewhere like image where there's no filter, there's no editorial filter, there's no, you know, it's, it's sort of entirely the, the realm of the artist to build a world. It's, it's unfiltered, it's un, un, unparalleled, un, unrestrained, unrestricted. I actually bring editors, and I use editors in my books. What what does that, what does that help, like, what does that do for you with, with your process? Danielle Henderson, um, 
if you're not familiar with her, is uh, goddamn genius. So. She, she writes the uh, Orange is the New Black recaps for Vulture. And, uh, uh, I had a conversation with Matt Lillard-Sides this past week about the end of the season finale of the movie and stuff like that. So she's a, a, a yeah, she, she does fantastic have, writer. Yeah, she's, a, she's amazing. Um, uh, well, Fish Camp is her book, mm -hmm. and then the podcast she does. She's been on the Julie Klausner uh, How Are You Week podcast a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, and she does a. Um, uh, she was a, she worked with Rookie for a while. I call it bully. I'm like, I know it's not bully. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Danielle Henderson. She is um, amazing. Yeah, the flip side of, uh, of doing books of image of the creative freedom that you get is that you get a lot of creative freedom to the point where it requires you to successfully put a book out. Somebody in your creative team needs to not only be the writer or the artist or whatever, they also need to be the editor or the project manager, which are not skill sets that necessarily go with the ability to create things. Uh, it is it is not, not a hat that I wear comfortably. Um, I, I am not smart enough to actually hire an editor, so I, I clearly should. It, it involves asking someone. Uh, <laughs> well, so are, are you the de facto project manager then of... Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, and, uh, and, and I find that incredibly stressful, so I should, I should give it to somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, making sure that the trains run on time falls usually on me. I, I've been real lucky on uh, Spread in particular that Kyle has actually picked up a great deal of that slack for me. Thank God or the book would never come out, probably, because you just get 19 projects going and then you're trying to do this other thing. And it's funny, it, when you write professionally for a living, you are normally being paid for that creative aspect, but there are a bunch of other skill sets that you're expected to either have or develop that people don't really tell you about yeah. going in. <laughs> it's the same thing with an image book is like, in addition to that project manager aspect, I'm also basically in charge of the marketing for it. So it's me contacting comic media, you know, sending a thing to USA Today saying, you want to do an interview and arranging those interviews and all that kind of stuff. Image does that to a certain extent, but they got one person doing that for the 30 to 50 yeah. books that Image puts out. So. I think that that is, I mean, even, even my friends I know that are like published novelists with conventional publishers, um, like unless you are very top tier talent, and I know some of those folks too, and they're, they're well taken care of, but other than that, like, no one will promote you like you will promote you. No yeah. one knows how to sell you better than you do. Um, and I think that, that there is a, I, I, I will hear a lot of resentment from, from people about like, you know, well, they're not pushing my book hard enough. They're like, yeah, because they don't care about it as much as they do. Well, like, and pretty deadly, you put all of your Twitter handles in the credits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that a... I haven't, I haven't seen that in the comic book before. Was that like... It wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> uh, um, wait, that's the end. <laughs> so, I mean, that, so that was your conscious choice. Like, what was the thought behind doing that? Was it specifically, like, I want to promote this. I want people to talk to me about this. No, uh, uh, the Carol Corps can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Emerald City two years back and it was right before Captain Marvel started to come out and she already had cosplayers. Uh, and, and the way you've taken things like Tumblr and Twitter and used it as an extension of 
your work and being able to meet, interact with your audience created such a real and genuine and true groundswell of support that you had people staying up nights making costumes before the book came out. Uh, uh, you know, you, you could have, that, that, that could have come out, that first storyline could have been like, Captain Marvel, an incredible racist. And you <laughs> Do not write that fanfic. Do not, yeah. It's very upsetting to me. But like, it's a natural, you, you, I think. Yeah, so I think anyone else understands how to do this a little bit. After the Caracor phenomenon I experienced, it became very clear to me something I think I understood. I always think that. Um, for me, there are a lot of purposes for fiction, but for me, fiction isn't just about entertaining or distracting. It is about um, whatever kind of fiction I consume, I am trying to find a connection to other human beings. Now, they're, they're pretend human beings on the page, but the whole point is for me to not feel alone in this experience of the world. I want to find things in their human emotions and experiences that I recognize, whether I'm reading about aliens or not. Right? So it's, it is about finding community. And then I saw this demonstrated for me in this very real way with these people who had developed a community around this character. And it was like, oh, I should encourage that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I tried to do that with Pretty Deadly and we'll try to do that with Pitch Planet too, to encourage that sense of community around the book. Um, I mean, it sounds so Machiavellian when you put it like that, but it's it's tremendously rewarding. Yeah, so like, you know, I have to imagine, because you guys are doing these, these are independent books, these are coming from you, there's, there's a bit more of yourself invested in them. So like, when you, when you sort of see that return from people, like, how does, how does that feel for you guys? I mean, we just sort of experienced that a, a bit earlier for you. Uh, like, for all of you guys, how, how does that feel when you know, you've put this piece of yourself out there and people come up and are like, this is amazing. Well, when you do a show like Heroes uh, and any of the shows on the convention circuit, you get fans that come up and you, uh, they'll tell you these stories about like a, a particular moment that resonated with a, like an important moment with a character that just resonated with some life experience that you, you would never sit there and think, well, I'm going to write this for the guy that just learned he's got cancer. And so my hero is going to challenge that. But then you learn your, your little mouse hero uh, came through this, this, this spiritual, psychological trauma in, in another world. And then you learn from someone that, yeah, as I was coming through my, my cancer battle, uh, I, Carrick was my hero. He was my goal. And you just sit there with your jaw on the floor realizing just what this, this fun, creative, often infuriating process that we go through as creators, writers, touches your fan base on levels that you cannot comprehend on the night when you, you think you the stuff that you think is going to be so incredible and crickets. And then just this, this moment where you have this character make a choice that, wow, in the outline, he wasn't going to do it, but now that I'm there in the story, this is what they're going to do, and it's going to be the outcome that 
spills out from it and you learn that's the moment that just wowed somebody out there and they come see you at the show and they tell you their their personal stories about their interaction with your world and your characters and nothing beats that. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, it's so well said. I think on that note, maybe uh, maybe we'll open up the floor for some questions from the audience. Uh, feel free to raise your hand and speak loudly. Unfortunately, we only have these five microphones. Uh, so if anybody has any questions, um, anybody at all? Yes. yes. All right. So uh, Satellite Sam's my jam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's built around a central mystery. So is there an end point in mind is, is, or is it just going to go on into perpetuity? Yeah. Well, uh, yes and no. There... <laughs> There's a, it's, there will be a, we're, we're starting the third volume now, uh, and it's the third arc, and it's going to wrap up the New York part of the storyline, and then we're going to kind of see where we are, and ideally then we go to Los Angeles, and then there's a place after Los Angeles. So, um, the, the quote mystery, the sort of wide limit of it all kind of gets resolved uh, uh, in and around issue 15, and they'll kind of wrap up where we are in New York. Um, yeah, but Howard and I have committed to doing this kind of first New York story, and we'll see how we feel when, when the prospect of doing number 16 is in front of us. Thanks for checking it out. If you didn't get the T1 on come by the table. Well, I've got one. Good work, Awesome. Uh, but yeah. Um, so I love the essays in the back of Pretty Deadly. They're sometimes my favorite part of the book. And Except for number five. Um, <laughs> um, so I wanted to know what was the impetus to, to do that as part of the book? Um, I, I think... I just I, I wanted you to feel like you got your money. <laughs> and so um, uh, so it's sort of like how can we add value to this package and um, you know, we knew we had 32 pages, and we had 24 pages of comics, and, um, you know, I thought about writing about spaghetti westerns, and I thought about, I, I even, I think at some point, did, like, a survey, and was like, what, what does anyone like about that? Or, um, uh, people, uh, were talking about really writing process notes, I think, like, um, uh, like, everybody likes to see how the sausages are made, and, um, and so... I decided that I would talk about the creation of the book, but then when I actually sat down to write the first piece, the following up piece is the, the one that most people are, uh, have found a connection in. Um, and so I realized when I sat down to write that, that, that talking about the creation of the piece, the first part of that essay is the part where I talked about is, is almost the end of the essay. That was the first thing I wrote, and then I realized, oh, to understand that, you have to go back and I have to tell you about this. And to understand that, I have to go back and tell you about this. So it sort of ended up working backwards, too. <laughs> the essay starts when I'm, like, nine or something. <laughs> so. The one with Henry Leo, about Henry Leo. Just well, that was, yeah, my son. Um, uh, and Emma gave him. Emma doesn't sell the Pretty Deadly pages for some reason, because she's allergic to money. <laughs> uh, Emma is... Yeah, she's... Um, <laughs> um, wait till she has children. Um, she's so amazing and so 
so gifted, and, and uh, she's very, she's so much stronger than I am. So I'm always like, people don't get it, people don't get it. Should we just explain? You know, and, and she's like, no, this is our playground. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very quiet uh, but she's fierce and you guys she's a sword fighter like all the sword fighting in the books you know how that's very real because she does it <laughs> um, and she does that kind of sword fighting where they don't like put you in like weight classes against your own gender she fights like big dudes <laughs> um, uh, and she's like oh no you have to keep moving very fast <laughs> like, if someone is coming at me with a big sword I would move really really fast <laughs> um, but yeah, she is, she's just super, like, I got scared when I, I, didn't, when I was writing it and, it, and it, and it didn't, like, we don't tell you how these pieces fit together. It is a weird little book, and we don't show you how they fit together until the third issue, and then it's just a hint. All the pieces are not on the table until the end of five, and even then you might need to go back to see how they fit. Um, and people were like, I don't get it. And, I was, it, and it really, like, unnerved me. Um, but Emma is stalwart, you know, and she's like, it's there, and this is, and that was the kind of the thing about it being image, when she was, she was like, you know, she and I had worked together at Marvel a couple times, and we loved it there, and we had really great experiences working there, but you, are, you have to explain everything as you go, and here it was like, we don't have to, we're going to trust the reader, um, and, and this is our playground. <laughs> Yes. Uh, what are your favorite beers? <laughs> it's not a joke. What are your favorite beers? Um, I have been sober for what year is this? Um, <laughs> I, uh, 14 years. Maybe. favorite beer is the sponsor of today's panel, water. <laughs> Seriously though, somebody did coolest fan art ever, somebody did a big Alice beer. Um, I don't drink beer, but if I did, I would have one. <laughs> to like 
me working on characters that you know you were reading when you were a kid, and, and um, it, there's a it's it's it, it is the Marvel Universe is the longest running continuous narrative continuous narrative in human history. This is like like working on the Mahabharata. I don't know if I just pronounced that horribly, I'm sure, but it, 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 like, this is, I mean, it is a real privilege getting to, to sew on this particular tapestry. Um, uh, I, I think Matt came up with the, the metaphor that works the best for me, it, it, it's like, um, uh, like, one is like aerobic activity and one is like uh, anaerobic, like, you know, um, with, with creator-owned stuff, it's like lifting, lifting weights and, and with uh, uh, the the work for hire stuff, it's like running. Like you want to do both to make sure that you're, you're you know the healthiest. Um, but the different days, I feel like doing different ones, and there are different advantages to different ones. I'm beating this into the ground. Why no, Justin? You got you got snatched up from DC. Snatched up fairly soon after Luther Strode. Yeah, I mean, like, was that a? I mean, was that like your secret plan all along? Or yeah, uh, <laughs> it worked. The strange talent of Luther Strode is to get you more work. Yes. No, I mean, I told Trad and Felipe, the colorist on Luther Strode, Felipe Sperr, who's also working with me on the spread. Um, I said, we're not going to make any money from this book. <laughs> we'll be lucky if we get out the six issues. But if we get out the six issues. We'll have this trade, and the trade can get us additional work. And I was wrong in the sense of we actually have made a good amount of money from Luther Strode, but it also has gotten me a tremendous amount of work, as well as Trad and Felipe. Um, and that is not why I wrote the book, but that was what I wanted to happen, what I was doing. And that was not, strictly speaking, that I was so much itching to write Marvel and DC books so much as they pay. Yes. Which uh, I find I've grown attached to food and shelter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when I was doing that, that was, and that's, I don't know, you got to, there's a lot to be said for getting lucky. I was lucky to get trapped on board the book. I was lucky that Image got behind the book. I was lucky that an author whose name well, I'm not going to mention it so he doesn't get flooded with emails trying to get work, people get work, get him to get them work at DC, read the literature and liked it and said, told Bob Harris that he should hire me, which he did. So, you know, that's worked out quite well for me. So yeah, it was funny, <laughs> back before Luther Strode came out, my mom asked me what, what the best case scenario for your book was, and it was exactly what's happened. So, <laughs> I uh, got really lucky about yeah. that. Yeah. You said a, a pitch like Luther was made easier by having a, a trad more attached, but if you're a, a brand new writer and nobody knows who you are, you're not a bad practitioner. <laughs> How do you find your trade? You work for 10 years? <laughs> which, which sounds like a, an asshole answer. But the thing is, I, I Luther Strode was my first big work in comics books, and it was a hit successfully right out of the gate, and I've been successful with comics ever since in the last four years now. But what you don't, what's not obvious from that is the literal 10, 11 years that I spent doing any comics and that kind of stuff before I got to be able to get trapped. And that is actually relevant to how I got Trad. I, by the time I pitched Trad on Luther Strode, I had 300 pages of comics to show him. 
and a wide range of stuff. And so I can say, dude, I want to write through this project. Here's other stuff I've written, including four issues that I paid artists to do. And I had done suit and that kind of stuff. So I had a background to do it. And that all started with, I started with five-page stories, reasoning that if I could get artists, if I was, I couldn't draw, so I needed artists to do it, and I figured it would be easier to get people to say yes to five pages than it would be to 20 or 1,000, whatever that kind of stuff was. And I also kind of figured that if I got good at writing five-page stories, it would make me better at writing 22-page stories. Um, so I went from there, and it was just a matter of you just kind of leave the along, find an artist who's willing to do it, work with him, and the next person, the next person, and the more you accumulate in that portfolio of stuff you can show artists, the easier it is to get artists. By the time I got around to asking track, I was also I had a lot of practice pitching artists, which is another kind of skill set at that point. But by the time I got around to track, I had gotten good at it. I didn't very often have people say no to me. So uh, none of those other pitches have ever materialized. And you know, it did me good in the sense of getting loose screwed out there. But yeah, the basic gist of it is you need to start with the artists you can get and level up. I started as a black and white self-publisher in the 1990s, and I produced uh, eight years worth of work that none of you have ever heard of. And uh, it wasn't until, uh, I guess, the uh, uh, 2007 with my Templar that people finally knew like who I was after 15 years of absolute obscurity. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Guidelines, so just my, my personal suggestion would be um, uh, no more than a one to two page um, pitch. So you know, let them know what your main characters are, what like like a two sentence summation of what your story is. Um, don't be cute. Okay, there's a, I've seen a lot of like. Ultimately, they're too busy for cute. Because they could acknowledge people at the end of the day, like. What's your story? You know, um, clarity, yeah. brevity. If you um, can, uh, art samples are great if you can find them, you know, give them something to look at too. It also shows off your work if you're writing for somebody. Sequential art samples, not just like splash pages and stuff. Yeah, so uh, I would say like a, a one to two page written pitch, a couple of pages of the art, and maybe a character design. Do not send them a novella. Um, don't show them that you had it broken down for four years. That would be terrifying. Before we get to this, I have to explain you my four approval cycle. I have pictured myself as the pink boy that comes. Yes, they come. And it sounds a little like this. You can find artists on DVR or Tumblr or one of the millions of. Representative of the larger story that you're going to tell them. That's like uh, what Luther Strode, for example, 
There's a chunk in the first issue of Luther Strode where it's just teenagers talking to each other with no violence whatsoever. That would have been a poor choice to have said that. <laughs> it's not yeah. all representative of what the book actually is. Yeah. So when you're picking out the pages to include in the sample, you should try to make sure that you give them kind of a microcosm of what the book is about. At least they can get a sense of what kind of story you're trying to tell. Yes? Um, I have a, a sex criminals question. Okay. And I'm going to keep this as brief as possible. Um, you've been very open about your struggles with depression and other issues, which I really appreciate because that's something that I've also struggled with. And for my whole life, comics have kind of been my outlet. And lately, I've been feeling incredibly disconnected to that. And I finally read Sex Criminals on my way here. And, uh... To this town. Binge <laughs> <laughs> read it really fast. No, on my way to this convention. And, um... I don't know, I just finally got me a little bit excited again about comics because it's something so different and so relatable with all the... But it still has that really fantastic element that comics are great for. And, um... The character John also has a lot of issues, obviously. You know, he talks about his ADHD and his objective defiant disorder and stuff like that. And I couldn't help feeling like maybe there was something of some autobiographical element in that. Um, you said that you created the book as a, a way to work with, with Chip Zdarsky. Was that element something that you wanted to, to talk about in comics, or did that come after you came up with the idea of sex crime? But there's a lot of me and a lot of art in, you know, my force sucks too. Oh, yeah, it's just it's also shot through a different metaphor. Um, the heart of the book came from realizing it didn't, we didn't want to do it when we just take jokes. It started out with John, kind of the emails. There's a cover we did where we were, we were out of ideas for variant covers, so we just printed the email that got the, the book started. <laughs> it was weird, it was like literally two years to the day. They told us that we had to go back to press. And uh, 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 so I was like, hey, look through the comic book guy who every time he has an orgasm, he stops time. Send. <laughs> um, and that's the cover. Uh, um, but when we started actually doing that, it didn't work. But when we made it about Sue, we all kind of changed. And then, then, then we realized what kind of what we had in our hands and it became much more emotionally present. So that kind of is part of the figuring out what the book is about. But ultimately there tends to be a lot of me in everything I write, just whether it's obvious um, or how, how close to the earth it is, I think depends on how close to the surface of Earth the book is. <laughs> there was a when you first started talking about doing um sex I wasn't like, I didn't quite get it. I thought, um, he, he was like, you know, silly sex comedy, or, you know, and I was like, airplane? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I was sort of like, not, I mean, not, it wasn't, it wasn't the like, don't do this, this will end your career. I had that conversation with Sam Humphreys when he did, uh, uh, Art Is Real. Don't do that. But, show you what I know, because I worked on it right there. But, um, uh, but I just didn't, I didn't quite get it. And then after I read the first issue, um, it was, I think the thing that shocked me about it was how, um, and he's wildly uncomfortable right now, so we should like draw this out. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, there was a, 
a, a, an emotional sincerity in it that was uh, uh, so sincere and so um, rare, I think, not just in comics, but like in, in like, you know, the, the, the modern comedy that, um, that I, I was really taken aback. Um, and I, I think that's why. I mean, the book is funny, the book is really it's the other stuff that doesn't get away with you know, eight movies coming out of jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, that's, that's what I meant. That's what, we can do those jokes in the book, but the book resonates because of the stuff. The jokes are easy. The jokes are always easy. Um, and that was what we didn't want to do. It was like, oh, it's just jokes. That is sort of, you could, you, we could feel our balloon deflated. So to speak. <laughs> No, those were, yeah, those were index cards. Oh, that's um, no, no, because I was done. I could stop. I could find them within linear time again. <laughs> I'm not being grateful. <laughs> um, yeah, I would scream at my cat. Oh, my God. And was like, no! <laughs> the guy who has a, uh, he has a wall of windows in his office, and it's written on them with dry erase markers. And, uh, but, like... Cats can't walk on windows. <laughs> <laughs> Like somebody wrote to me and they were like, I named my cat after her cat. Please don't let the 
that be horrible? I think we have time for uh, a couple more questions. Uh, yeah, this gentleman right here.
Not sex criminals, the other that feeling. Part of the same is with other things for, for me personally, and trusting to get there. And other times you get to the point like, no, I think I'm done. You know? And it's just sort of like, you know, this is the end of uh, There Will Be Blood. I'm finished! <laughs> 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 Uh, there's, there's also an aspect that uh, this helps with uh, the cliche writer's block as well. Uh, there's the old acting joke, oh, what is my motivation? Oh, I need the director to tell me why am I crossing this room? The more fully realized your characters are, the more like real human beings. And every single person in this room has a reason for sitting in this chair listening to us all talking. Some of us, you, you want to learn more, you're hoping to get work, you're curious about your favorite writers or characters or how the process works, and you're all going to leave this room and proceed to do the next thing that you want to do. So when you, the creator, run out of ideas, literally ask your characters. Because if you have fleshed out these characters as genuine, as genuine human beings, like independent you know, they're, they're thinking for themselves, and you're just transcribing their adventures. Uh, what are their motivations? So when you finish with the end, well then what do you do the day after the end? Well, what does each of those characters, what would they do the day after? And the more you start to question that, next thing you know, you've got the next chapter of your saga just born out of what happens next. What do they want next? Yeah, I've never found the problem. For me, the problem has never been having ideas, especially like even within the concept of doing a series. It's what ideas fit where and whether you should do the ideas. Um, ideas is actually by far the easiest part of writing. Like as Kelly Sue said, the ideas are easy. Doing work is hard. Get it? Like trying to figure out what story you should tell in what order. And that's something I've done with Spread. Like Spread, the concept is wide open enough that I could probably sit down every day and come up with 10 new ideas and what I could do given the existing situation. It's just figuring out what I should do is the, the trick of it. Yeah, or how to do it. Like, yeah. You have to marvel nine. I know sort of what it's going to be, but I don't, I don't, I wish I could just give that order to someone. Like, oh, it needs to be this. <laughs> and then, like, now you figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tetris. Awesome. Uh, well, I think we have to uh, we have to end on that note. Uh, this has been amazing. You guys were so much fun to talk to. Can we get a round of applause for everyone today? Give it up for Justin, Brian, Kelly, Sue, Matt, and our sponsor, Water. Uh, it's what you drink. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you around the con. Everyone, please have a great weekend. Thank you. Virginia Plain.